Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we talked to Nick Taylor, the defensive back who just signed a new deal with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And we also talked to Kerry Anderson, now three-time defending Scotty's champion. Amazing. The team from Gimli gets it done again. That's all coming up on the podcast. CFL free agency opens tomorrow. 11 a.m. is when players can decide to hit the open market. One player who's decided not to do that is Nick Taylor, who has re-upped with the Blue Bombers on a one-year deal, the defensive back, who joins us now on the CGOB Sports Show. Nick, congrats on the new deal. Thank you. Appreciate it so much. So, wait, was this something that you, going into the offseason, wanted to wait until the day before free agency? What was the game plan from your perspective? Um, I just wanted to see all the options available. Um, I didn't want to wait. I just, I really wanted to come back to Winnipeg, um, just for the, wait for the right deal to present itself. And then, um, I just wanted to come back to, you know, to Winnipeg. I enjoy it there. I love it there. So, um, as soon as that got done to, you know, to both sides liking, it was a done deal. So you saw what was out there and you thought, no, Winnipeg's the, Winnipeg's got the best offer. More than just money, they've yeah. got the whole enchilada. You got two Grey Cup rings here. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was other options out there that was, you know, probably more money, money wise. But it's just um, a comfort thing. It's just being with the family here at Winnipeg. So like we're building something special. So um, I, I place happiness above everything else when I decided to sign the deal. We've heard that a lot from your teammates that have re-signed over the last month plus. Is that yeah, there may have been more money elsewhere, but there's that camaraderie here in Winnipeg. There's the fact that you've won two great cups. There's playoff bonuses in the CFL. And I guess, how do you explain the the pull of wanting to be part of this family again? Um, it's a joy coming to work every day. I mean, you don't have a lot, you know, people have a lot of jobs out here. And, and every time the people are not happy going to work and I'm truly happy going to work with Winnipeg at the organization. Um, like I said, it's something special here. Um, all the guys, they, they come to work, you know, they put their hard hats on every day, and they're ready to work. And it's just it's a special thing that we got going and brewing. So when you were released by the Edmonton team in the summer of 2019, what were you? What was your initial reaction? Did you ever think, hey, I'm going to go to Winnipeg and be part of a two-time Grey Cup champion? I mean, you can never predict that. I mean, but... Uh, the whole Edmonton situation just kind of it went. It didn't go right. Um, I basically sort of asked for my release how it went, and um, I just knew that I should be out there playing on somebody's team. I knew I could help somebody's team, and at that point, Edmonton were playing their younger players, and it just wasn't something that sat right with me at that point of my career because I knew I could help out a team. And then uh, Winnipeg been trying to get me to come to the organization for since like 2014. So when everything was going down, um, my agent, I told my agent to um, call him because I saw that Murphy had went down. And then McManus said that, oh, sure, they'll love to get me in there. And then that's what that's what happened. And part of the Blue Bombers secondary that really shored up in the back half of the 2019 season en route to that Grey Cup title. How have you changed as a player, you think, since you started playing here in Winnipeg? Um, I think I changed tremendously. Um, I learned the game a lot more than what I knew before. Before, I was just basically playing on raw athleticism. I was just, you know, a fast 4-2 guy who was just out there, 
I didn't really understand the game. I, I was playing. I, I thought I understood the game until I got to Winnipeg, and, and they showed me the right way how to be a pro, like how to come in early, how to watch film, how to break things down, the extra time that they put in. They come in at – people are in the, in the building at 6, 5 a.m., getting their workouts in and, and studying. And to be a part of it, you had to either join in, which is we call FIFO, um, fit in or, or, you know, F off. And you just basically had a box that, and that's what happened when I got here, and it just totally changed my whole career and my perspective on how I saw football. Who have been uh, the people that have impacted you the most? I'm guessing Jordan Younger, defensive backs coach, has been a big part of that? Yeah, J.Y. has definitely been a big part of that. Um, when I came in, I was just seeing how he ran things in his, his DB room. And then also I always give a big shout-out to um, Anthony Gator because he was there in 2019 and 18, I believe. And I knew Gator from – from Miami because we both went to school at FIU and kind of grew up in the same neighborhood. So I knew a Gator and Gator was, when I got to the team, I, that's the only person I really knew on the team. Like I really knew him. And he was picking me up from the hotel that they had to stay up at 5:30 AM. And I was just like, wow, this is how it goes down. And he showed literally, I just watched him, how he prepared. And I just took notes from him. And then after that, it was like how BA came in the, in, in the room and how he addressed everybody and how he, he wanted to win. And, his, you know, BA is like the heartbeat of our, our secondary. So, however, how he, you know, runs the, the whole group when he's talking and everybody's listening, that's a big part, too. So that's a player then you definitely want to have back on your team for 2022, Brandon Alexander. Oh, definitely. B.A. is definitely a guy that I would love to have back. Um, we both feel the same way about each other. We just have a connection where we so we work together a lot in the secondary where we kind of, how our defenses ran, you know, me and him on, have to be on one accord. And we just look at each other sometimes and we just know what other guy's going to do and we're just able to play off each other. And um, that helps out our secondary a lot. And he's just the vocal leader and, and he runs the whole middle of the field. You don't want to run in there. He's knocking people heads off. He's causing turnovers, fumbles, interceptions. So he's a great guy, and I, I really hope that he's back. Now you mentioned you went to school at FIU. For those that don't know, though, you didn't play football there, did you? No, I didn't play football. I played um, college basketball at FIU for three years. And then um, my last year, I was trying to get back to football but at the school, but it didn't work out, so I end up just working out and I end up playing a league called the Stars Football League. There was a new up-and-coming up league that was trying to develop something. It didn't go that great, but um, it worked for me because the defensive coordinator was also a, train, a trainer and he just took me under his wing because he thought I had talent. I literally uh, worked out with him for the year, came back and did my pro day at FIU. I ran a blazing speed and before I walked out the door, I had uh, about seven teams calling me in and were interested in bringing me into a team in the NFL. How raw were you, though? Um, highly raw. I mean, the last time I played, I mean, I played football my whole life from, like, the age of five to about 16. And then I took those next six, seven years off, which is big because at that time, that's when you learn the most football. You learn, like, how to do coverages, how to play the game. You know, when you're playing, you know, the younger, when you're younger, it's just basically just playing off of talent. And then the knowledge come on. So I was behind, but my athleticism was so good that I was able to make up for it. But I just didn't know all the nuances of how or to make the game easier for me like I do now. Are you now in the position where you're offering wisdom to younger players? Yeah, definitely. Um, the young guys, we have um, 
we got Houston over there. We have Miller. Um, we have a few young guys. We still have Hallett, Boat Hallett, um, and Retta. And all those young guys, I just try to tell them, you know, how the game is going. Um, D. Alford, like the first game he had, he was pressing himself because he gave up a touchdown, and then he gave up another catch to um, to the receiver from um, Ackland from from Hamilton. And I just told him, man, we had Winston Rose out here who had 10 interceptions, and they threw the ball at him every play. So just know the ball is coming at you regardless, and you just got to step up and be ready to play. And from that point on, he just literally took that and ran with it and became the all-star that he was, a special player, and everybody got to see who he was. And I just try to instill it, everybody, you know, just keep keep playing, man. This game is going to be tough. There's going to be days that's not your day. Um, work through it. Um, how you prepare is going to help you out on game days so that you can make more plays. And I just try to help those guys out as much as possible. And when you see Alford sign a, a deal in Atlanta with the Falcons, is there a pride for you as being a, someone that had a little part in getting him there? Yeah, definitely. Um, I definitely am happy for him, and and I, I would like to say that I helped him out get to where he wanted to go. But ultimately, it all came down to how he worked and him listening. So I'm definitely proud of the guy. Um, I hope he don't come back. I mean, if he does, then you know, we'll welcome him. We'll open our arms. But I don't plan on seeing him back because that kid is definitely a talented stud, and he could play on Sundays. I know some players have an origin story for their number. Some, it's more random. Number nine for you, does that have any special significance? Um, I just wanted to wear it because I always wanted to wear it growing up because uh, I was a big Peter Works fan growing up as a kid watching Florida State. So that's basically why it changed from 25 to nine last year. Okay. And are you in Florida right now? No, I actually moved to um, Maryland. Okay. So, so I'm not in Florida at the moment. No, but I do, I do plan on going back to visit soon. But warmer than Winnipeg either way. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's, it's a tad bit warmer than Winnipeg. I, I'll take this weather over Winnipeg right now. I love you so, guys, but yeah, the weather's pretty brutal right now. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little bit warmer <laughs> now, but it's still – it's been quite cold recently. Uh, I'll get you out of here – on this, you've got a few months left before you come back to Winnipeg when it won't be as cold anymore. But what yeah. do you have to accomplish between now and then? What does your off-season training regimen look like? Um, for me, right now, I'm actually at the point where I'm actually just doing two times a day. Well, even, you know, I go and get a, a, a good lift in, and then afternoon I try to go get some type of cardio or whatnot. I go play basketball. I love playing basketball. I'll start doing more football-related things probably around – March, um, but right now I'm just focusing on losing weight. I figured I, I think I was a little bit bigger than I wanted to be last year. How I finished the season, so I'm, I'm really trying to cut down a little bit more weight. Um, come back, same blazing speed that I always had, and keep it up. But that's basically my off season plan of working out. Well, wish you the best of luck in that, Nick. Appreciate you taking time to talk to us tonight. Congrats again on the new deal, and uh, we'll see you in a few months when you get to Winnipeg. No problem. Always a pleasure. We are pleased to be joined by a now three-time Scotty's Tournament of Hearts champion, Kerry Anderson. Team Canada gets it done yesterday over Northern Ontario. Kerry, how does it feel to be a champion once again? Oh, it feels uh, pretty awesome. It uh, definitely doesn't get old. <laughs> so 
the bubble experience last year to this year, did it feel the same or did those 400 or so people in the building cheering for the team you were playing against in the final, did they have an impact, in your opinion, on the atmosphere? Um, they definitely did. It was so nice to um, to have fans in the building again. And even though they weren't cheering for us necessarily, um, they uh, it was still nice to hear that and uh, hear the crowd and the roar. And you know, it was uh, pretty exciting. And um, also having uh, our fans were there too. Like we had some of our uh, parents come out, and uh, that was pretty special to have them and share that moment with them. Because a big curling event is not a big curling event without some cowbells and cheering, right? Oh, yeah. Like, at the trials, like, that was crazy. It was, like, back to normal. And then uh, to kind of just go back to the bubble, it was kind of, ugh, took away all that excitement. Um, but um, it was uh, it was nice to uh, to be able to have that the final weekend. And now we get to, to cross our fingers and hope that your experience in Prince George and a month and a half is going to be everything you hoped it would be back in 2020 before it got shut down. Yeah, I'm really hoping that um, our uh, family and friends can come and join us and fans and cheer us on uh, on uh, Canadian soil. So um, I'm really excited for that and excited for this opportunity because I know we were pretty devastated uh, back in 2020 when, uh, when everything was kind of shut down on us. So um, I'm just honored to be able to have this opportunity again. So let's go through the week. You go 8-0 in round-robin play. Uh, never tested too much until that final game. Have you ever given up a five spot in a match and then gone on to win that game before? it? I have gotten five and lost. <laughs> but I have never, um, like like done the way we did like we got down early but we never ever gave up and you know what like we just knew that we're playing so well that it was really one bad end we just everyone missed their shots so um to uh come back after that we were pretty pumped and uh, uh we just never gave up and that's uh, something what our team does we just uh play loose and uh we never give up and then the next night you play New Brunswick and the only game you ended up losing in the whole tournament. I asked you if, uh, earlier in the week last week what you thought of the playoff format. And you said you didn't know because you hadn't been in it before. Now what do you think of it? Yeah, I, I actually didn't mind the, the format. Um, it, it seemed to work for us. <laughs> we uh, always take the hard way, but uh, that's all right. And uh, we did uh, lose our first playoff game, and uh, but we still got ourselves into uh, another life by coming first out of our pool. So that was a bonus. And uh, we knew our backs were against the wall right at the start, so uh, we knew we had to uh, win out and play our absolute best against uh, for our next three games. And you did. You beat team Tracy Fleury, Andrew Crawford again, and then Kristen McCarville in the final. And, and in all three of those games, very, very strong performances. You got ahead early and never really looked back. What does it say about your team that in those high-pressure moments, you're just coming through? Yeah, we uh, when the pressure's on, we seem to shine. So uh, that's... Uh... That, that makes us a great team, and uh, those kinds of teams um, that do that, that start off strong right out of the gate um, in an end, um, uh, 
really uh, it sets the tone for the game, and that's kind of what we did those last three games is we scored first. We made sure we got hammer first, um, so we had that opportunity to get on the board, and uh, that's what we did, and uh, uh, we never looked back in any of those games. Now, in the ninth end last night, you, you take that risk of that rock on the periphery being in or out. Did you, in your heart of hearts, think it was in? Um, I thought it was very, very close. My gut was telling me it was out, but because earlier in the week we did have a measurement and the rings were out, so we weren't sure if this sheet was the same or not, so we couldn't really take the risk of taking a blank there, which it was still a very difficult blank um, attempt because I could only see not even half the rock. So um, we, I just thought we would take the risk, go up to... Like, taking one there was totally fine to go up to, and uh, we did, and fortunately, it wasn't in, but um, we were still happy with that situation. And then in the 10th end, when you're up by two without hammer in the 10th end, would you rather have that many rocks in play or keep it more clean? Um, well, we were trying to keep it clean, <laughs> um, but as soon as Shannon... Um, hit nose her peel um, we knew that we had to go aggressive and go for the steal um, so that's kind of what we did and um, we capitalized on our opportunities that we had that end and put our rocks in some great spots and um, and basically left her with no shot so um, it was uh, it was a scary end but uh, it paid off and when that final shot when you're when you're sitting in that situation where Krista McCarville's just trying to figure out anything, did you think she had a shot? Um, I didn't think so. Um, the way the angles were all set up, um, I didn't think our yellow was going anywhere. So, uh, or for her to get to. Um, so I thought we were we were pretty safe, but I was like, I don't know, maybe I'm not seeing it correctly. So um, this was actually the first year where we are playing the 10th end and did not have hammer, so we didn't have control. Um, so it was uh, definitely different from previous years. What did Reed Carruthers add to your team this year? Oh, Reed, uh, Reed just actually joined us um, a few weeks ago. We phoned him before... Um, leaving for the Scotties and uh, just said, you know, Heather's going to stay home, stay close to home because of COVID and things, and we thought you'd be a great addition to our team. And he's like, I am so honored that you asked me. And he was so excited. He's like, I got to check in on a few things because his provincial was supposed to be played during the Scotties. And uh, so it would conflict so um, once we knew that that was postponed to a later date, that um, he could join us. And he was pretty excited. He's so smart. He knows so much about the game. And uh, he is so funny. He keeps it light for us and uh, tells a lot of jokes. And uh, uh, we play some games afterwards. And it's, he's just such a great guy. And then we're, we're lucky to have him as coach. I know he definitely helped us out. And just watching it on TV, it seemed like whenever he came out for a timeout, he just offered a very like clear, concise plan uh, on what he thought should be done with the play. Yeah, and that's great. Like when we first met with him, I just told him, I'm like, you know, when we call a timeout, I want you to just tell me what to play because uh, he's smart, he knows the game, you know, and I don't want to have two shots in my head. So I, he, that's what he did. And uh, we were basically always on the same page with him. 
um, strategy-wise, so it was good. And uh, after the games, we go over our game, and uh, there is a few things that he picks out the pick out that we didn't really notice, and we're like, oh yeah, that was a that was a good idea. Um, so uh, he's definitely been a great asset to our team. Let's go back to when you put this team together in 2018. If I told you in February of 2022 you'd have three Scotties in that time frame, what would you have told me? I would have said, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, because that is very, very hard to do. Uh, not many athletes have done that. Um, and uh, I'm pretty honored to be amongst um, Colleen Jones, Jennifer Jones, and um, I believe there was there was one more. Vera Pezzer back in the yes, 70s. Yes. And um, to be a part of that is pretty special. And uh, I know when we put this team together, our goal was to go to the Olympics. And, um, you know, we were pretty upset after the trials. It wasn't um, our best performance. And um, I think uh, just after that, we kind of regrouped and, uh, you know, we're like, you know, it sucks that we're not going to the Olympics, but you know what? We can be uh, three-time Canadian champions. So let's go out there and give it our all and defend our title and uh, get back to that world stage and wear that maple leaf on our back. And um, we fought hard and we practiced hard to uh to do what we did this week. So did you get to celebrate last night in a bubble in Thunder Bay? What was that like? Um, well, we got to celebrate a little bit. The girls actually uh, had to do their testing and stuff and then forms to fill out, so we didn't get out of there till like midnight. But we got to actually uh, sit down in the room and just chat and have a couple drinks, and it was nice. And was there any kind of reception at the airport when you got back today? Um, there was a couple of reporters there and uh, a member um, from uh, Curling Canada, Connie, so, or uh, sorry, Curl Manitoba. And um, yeah, a couple of, um, um, of my players' uh, boyfriends were there. So yeah, it was, uh, wasn't nothing big, but it was nice to have something. So are you home now? Yes, I just got home about an hour ago. <laughs> So how did that feel to walk through the front door? When was the last time you were home? Um, well, I've just only been gone for a week, so it hasn't been, or about okay. two weeks, I guess. hasn't been too bad, um, but uh, it was nice. My husband and the girls came and picked me up from the airport, and um, I got home, and there was a big sign uh, from uh, some of my friends and uh, on my deck, and um, so my girls made me a poster and saying, welcome home, Mom, so that was really nice to see. I guess it's not like last year where you were gone for a long time. Yeah, last year we would have, I was gone for about a solid month. Um, but like when I would come home in between, it was like I'd have to isolate. So it uh, it was probably about four months. So it was, it was rough, definitely, um, and challenging times. So it's good now that we don't have to come home and isolate. Absolutely. So when does... Life, I guess, get back to normal for you. Do you do you go back to work this week? What how does that work for you? Yeah, I'm gonna go back to work on Wednesday um, and uh, see my residents at work because they're all pretty excited. And uh, I actually had my resident phone me uh, while I was in the airport, and she uh, was super excited to uh, congratulate me, and uh, she can't wait to see me. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back to work. 
to get back to work and all the wild training to go to the Worlds in a month. Yeah, exactly. And work, train, work, train, and then go to Worlds. <laughs> well, Carrie, congratulations again on winning the Scotties title for a third straight year. Appreciate you taking some time to talk to us tonight, and best of luck at the Worlds. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that they should come to this Try to warn you of the deal. You may not share our intellect, which might explain your